Hey everyone, AJ Venegas here, Director of Life Groups and Discipleship. Uh, today we got a very special guest, Dr. Larry Vold, here to talk more about identity in our Sacred Selfies series. And so with that, let's go deeper. Well, joining us today to unpack the topic of race and ethnicity is Larry Vold. Pastor Larry, thanks for sitting down with me and uh, answering some tough questions. Oh, man. This is great. No, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this, AJ, and I look forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, We are taking a bit of a detour in this series, uh, pausing at Colossians 3, verse 11, which talks about these different parties. And um, yeah, we're going to unpack some different tensions and yeah, we'll see where it goes. Today, we're focusing on race and ethnicity. And I wrote like a little soliloquy, I guess, uh, to introduce this topic, because I think one of the laments of teaching from the pulpit is that you can't really zero in on the specific issues. The way I heard it said was like, when you're preaching, you're almost taking a shotgun, uh, for the lack of a better example. Um, (laughs) and you're sort of spraying shrapnel into the crowd and seeing if the gospel will touch somebody's very specific issue. And one of the laments is you can't directly get a, sh- uh, a pistol and really focus on one issue because all of a sudden, if we start focusing on very specific issues, you'll start getting all sorts of different hyper specific issues popping up and you're just constantly trying to address each one. And so it's almost like this whack-a-mole vision that you have the old game, arcade game, I know, mm-hmm. um, where you're not reacting to the whack-a-moles, you're actually going into the program with the gospel and really unpacking that. All that being said, I know, and I've seen it personally uh, from you, and I know a lot of staff members have seen it too. And if you're a congregant here, you've probably seen this in Larry too, that when this specific issue of race and ethnicity um, started to boil up again in our culture, it feels like you, Pastor Larry, took a sniper rifle (laughs) and really honed in on this specific issue. And it was something, you know, very powerful to see your heart being drawn to this issue. And so I wanted to spend the first question talking about what was it that really drew you to this specific issue? I know you shared in your sermon a story of interacting in high school, but um, is there anything deeper going on that really drew you to this race and ethnicity issue. Oh man, thank you so much, Pastor AJ. You know, and first of all, I thought maybe we were going to start talking about gun laws or something, (laughs) (laughs) which is a whole nother topic, right? Um, But you know, and and this is the great thing about Bible exposition, right? And, Mm -hmm. And teaching through the scriptures is that sometimes actually the scripture tees up the opportunity to actually go down more in sort of like your words, the sniper view of like actually what, what the scriptures have to say about current events and things that are going on in our lives. And um, yeah, you know, during the the social unrest, the cultural unrest that happened uh, a few years ago when there was a lot of uh, a, a cry uh, among uh, the African-American community um, uh, over injustices that were taking place, uh, the murder of George Floyd. I mean, lots of terrible things going on and just an uprising. Uh, I was really just uh, convicted hmm. that I didn't really understand all the tensions. I mean, I knew in a broad sense, of course, you know, I like I grew up in the aftermath or in the midst of in the, in the aftermath of the civil rights movement. Um, but I was really sheltered by that. I actually grew up in a very white neighborhood, uh, completely white neighborhood. Uh, grew, I would say that I was uh, under white privilege. Um, 
I was never, ever, uh, never had a feeling of like, would somebody judge me because of my color or would there be something bad done to me because of my color? And I started to become so convicted um, that when all this was going on, AJ, that I didn't really feel like I had good substantive answers for people. And so I just started reaching out to some pastor friends of mine and we started reaching out together to some of the ethnic pastors in our area. And we just said, would you help us to kind of understand more of what this is about? And so we started meeting, uh, this was during COVID. So we started meeting on Zoom uh, every week with a group of about 18 to 20 pastors. And it was a big mix, uh, African-American, Asian-American, um, white, uh, Caucasian-American. Um, all of us trying to hear each other and listen for each other. And it was raw. It was, uh, there were days where there was, uh, not, I'm not talking shouting, but there was disagreement. And uh, we had to forge through a lot of um, theology and philosophy of ministry and history in our country and even around the world. And it just, it, it brought us together in a kind of a unity and a brotherhood that, we're still meeting today. This is almost three years now, and we've been meeting every week for the past three years. So I know this is a, I'm kind of just rambling here for a minute, but just to kind of set it up, um, I am so blessed to be a part of this brotherhood of men that are striving to make a difference in the area of our um, uh, ethnic, what we call ethnic reconciliation, um, because that's the call of the church. And that's what we saw in this Colossians passage. You know, that there's no longer these distinctions between Greek, Jew, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, all these things, which we'll talk about here today at, at the time that the scriptures were written were, were major dividing points. And of course, Ephesians two says that Jesus came to break down that dividing wall. And so there should be this oneness. Jesus prayed in the, in the garden, John 17, that we would be one as he and his father were one. And, and I had to just stop and ask myself, are we really one, you know? And for, and I'm just gonna take one more minute to say, during my role as a senior pastor here at Three Crosses, uh, you know, when I became the senior pastor, we were primarily a white church. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, we had some ethnicity, but it was, it was really in the minority. Um, but as God was speaking to my heart just about the gospel and the power of the gospel and reflecting the the uh, constituency of our community, you know, we just taught and led with a spirit of like everyone's accepted here and we, it doesn't matter what your cultural background is, or your ethnic background, come. And so over those years, we started seeing more uh, uh, ethnic diversity within our community, within our congregation. And it was beautiful. And wow, when I stepped out of the senior role, I mean, we were really, really ethnically diverse. However, the job was not finished and we're still not finished. But I remember talking to Pastor Danny about like, you know, and, and he agreed and he was saying the same things that we, you know, we have to bring ethnic diversity to all layers of our ministry, not just in our congregation, the people that come, but in our staff and our board and leadership teams and who gets to speak and who gets to do things. And so, you know, we realized that there were some gaps there. But under Pastor Danny's leadership, I think he's done a marvelous job in really helping our church uh, forge through a, a full strata of, of ethnic diversity within our ministry. And it's, it's been beautiful. And I, 
Um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you've listened to the message already. And I hope that that just sort of puts an undergirding onto what we're doing and why we're here. Yeah, it's been a beautiful thing to witness over time as we've seen, um, you know, the church community look a little bit more like our outside community and seeing other people represented. I wanted to read the passages just in case you're listening and you don't have a Bible in front of you. Um, read them out loud. So Colossians 3, I'll start uh, at 10 and continue on to 11. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And that was paired up with Galatians 3, which says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So those two passages are kind of doing the same thing. Um, you know, listening to your sermon and reading your notes, I was able to pick up on, I feel like three different postures toward this conversation of race. And uh, they're actually funny enough in the sermon notes, you had, um, things that you didn't want to talk about. And I was like, Oh, that's perfect material for the podcast right there <laughs> where we're trying to go deeper into things. Yes. Uh, so I tried to get a better sense of these postures. And so you might hear terms that you may agree with, disagree with, uh, maybe you're unclear on the definition, but I just wanted to, um, try and build out the different tensions that we talked about with, um, with this conversation. So I feel like the first posture are those who are arguing for what is called white privilege, arguing for what is called systemic racism. And I think in both of those, the undergirding factor here is, hey, um, you might not realize that because you are white, you grew up in a certain way, or you might not realize that because the country was founded on um, you know, there was slavery back then and you might not realize it, but th it feels like there's something there. And so it feels like in these conversations, the undergirding principle is you're not seeing race enough in, in things that are going on. Um, and so the reaction there is, Hey, let me be a advocate for, uh, racial injustice in areas where maybe we're overlooking it. And so I'm going to try to see race more and more, and hopefully other people will begin to open their eyes. And so with this posture of wanting people to see race in more things, I can see them coming to a passage like Colossians and Galatians and kind of being in a predicament here because, they really want to see this church as a place where we all are, are one, like they're saying, like there is none of this anymore. But, you know, even in my experience looking around, it feels like people still gravitate toward people that look like them, that are comfortable with them. Um, and so I'm wondering for the people that are, you know, passionate about seeing race where people might not have seen it before, um, are we supposed to take these passages and pretty much throw race out completely? Hmm. Like, are we supposed to ignore the fact that, you know, race had a factor in anything or, um, 
you know, especially with people who have experiences in their life where it feels like race was such an important factor. Like, am I supposed to just completely go colorblind, as yeah. they say, and throw it out the window? Yeah. Wow. Boy, man, you set up a really great <laughs> <laughs> yeah. conversation here. And it's so true, you know, like I and I have to admit, and so there's gonna be a lot of confession in this podcast, probably, because I have to confess as an evangelical pastor, I kind of took the posture as in my role as a senior pastor that, you know, we don't see color, you know, like we see one color, it's a color red, it's the blood of Jesus. And it's under his blood that we are all formed and transformed into his image. Um, but what this conversation I've had with all these ethnic pastors over the last three years, uh, Pastor AJ, is that I have uh, recognized the importance of seeing each other. Mm. And, and recognizing that there is so much in everybody's background and everybody's life situation and including ethnicity that cannot be overlooked. And this is the beautiful thing. Like the Bible doesn't say, like even in this these passages that we're looking at, the fact that so there is no longer Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. These are all characteristics that in the early church were huge dividing points for people. But what Paul is saying, he's not saying those things don't exist. He's saying they don't and should not create division for us now. Mm. They should not be barriers. They should actually be accents. And this is the thing that I've learned from my brothers in in this uh, one blood experience. And by the way, I just need to say, during those first couple months of meeting together and we were anguishing and praying and seeking the Lord. We would spend an hour just praying for each other in our churches and the stories that were going on. And one of the pastors uh, said, I, I've got a book you guys all need to read. And he purchased and distributed distributed for all of us this book called One Blood by John Perkins. John Perkins is a advocate. He was a advisor to five U.S. presidents. Uh, he was an, ad, uh, 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 an advocate, spokesperson for uh, civil rights. Um, he's an amazing guy. He grew up in the South. Uh, his brother was killed at, at the hands of uh, police. Um, he saw all this. He hated white people. I mean, his story is amazing. But the Lord brought uh, salvation to his heart. And so he started off on this journey of, you know, ultimately uh, ethnic reconciliation. So this book became kind of like a catalyzing form for us, this the book called One Blood. And so we call ourselves the One Blood Fellowship, where not only as pastors meet, but we've sp spilled that out into our churches, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit here today. But um, so so. I'm probably losing a little bit of where we are going in <laughs> it's this, all right. it's but, all right. but the distinctions, AJ, are no longer the things that divide us. Uh, they, they, we need to recognize them. It's like, look at how creative God is. There's over 33,000 uh, species of fish in the ocean, and they're all beautiful. Fish are beautiful, but they're all fish. So under one blood, and this is the, the premise of the book or the, the thesis of the book, is that there's not uh, many races there's one race, it's the human race. This is what the Bible talks about. In fact, race is not even a biblical word. I know you know that and others, and we use the word race to describe you know, ethnicities, but really ethnos in the Greek is the word that, that we translate in the New Testament scriptures uh, that talk about, and even in the Old Testament Septuagint, that, that talk about the nations and people groups and tribes and languages. Uh, these are all nuances of the basic word of ethnos, which is we're all one blood. We're all of the human race. Did you know, and some of our readers may not, or listeners may not know this, but 
the Genome Project that has done a great job on mapping the DNA in the human body has come to the conclusion that all human beings are 99.9% identical in their That's in their really DNA. Cool. Yeah. 99.9. That's really neat. So the 1.01% that is different between me and someone of a different color or a different culture or whatever is is what we're separated about and and causing so <laughs> yeah. there there therein is the issue of why racism is a sin because anytime we're putting down somebody for their color their background thinking them inferior to us or whatever any bias that we hold along those lines is absolutely wrong because we're all we're all the same it's hmm. a beautiful answer um i think the second side if that was one side of uh the argument or posture that's often taken there's another side um, that you mentioned a couple buzzwords here. Um, there are people that argue against what's called critical race theory or argue against what's becoming what this this woke culture. And from my understanding, critical race theory is seeing race, seeing history through the lens of race and seeing how it affects it or this woke culture, seeing it. It's in a similar vein, seeing things through the systemic oppression of race. And I think what they're arguing against on these terms is that, hey, maybe it's gone a little too far, like too excessive um, seeing race in probably too many things. Maybe that's not there. And so this posture's reaction is, hey, we actually need to be more colorblind. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of have these two opposite sides almost talking beyond each other yeah. at this point. Yep. And I think the church is going to try to find a different a different way, a, th- a third way here. Um, I wanted to address this side of the argument because I think um, the reaction, like you said at the beginning of um, what your answer there, that you said as a pastor, you at one point said, hey, we don't see color. We see one color, the blood of Jesus. I'm wondering what do we lose when we do go colorblind? Yeah. Like what what value yeah. is there in seeing people for yeah. for their experiences wow. at, in race and ethnicity? Oh man, great question. So when someone's sitting in our church, for example, and they're uh, they're black or they're um, Asian descent or whatever, whatever, they're not white, and they hear a pastor talking about like go, being colorblind, I think it's very offensive to them. Because they are sitting there thinking like, well, wait a minute. Okay, great. I agree that, you know, we're one under the blood of Christ, but you don't know the the history of, of my background, sure. the injustices that have been against me. And for you as a white person who who probably have has lived a very uh, sheltered, privileged life, and I'm going to agree and say on this podcast that that is actually, yes, the truth. Um, very sheltered, very, uh, like I said earlier on, never oppressed for my um, ethnicity, never anything that would withhold me from being a part of anything in my community. But when I started meeting with these other pastors, AJ, and hearing the stories of their families, the stories of their own lives, and how, and you mentioned the history of even our country, you know, people in our lives who have relatives who came out of slavery mm-hmm. in America, a great grandfather who was enslaved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I start hearing these stories. And then I start hearing about how um, in certain neighborhoods, the, and this is, this is very raw, but 
black pastors who are visiting somebody, you know, in a, a very suburban white neighborhood and being pulled over by police and for no reason whatsoever, sort of out of the car and what are you doing in this neighborhood? And, you know, and again, I want to just also insert at this moment, I am, I am so grateful for law enforcement. And I think law enforcement is an amazing plus to our culture and, and our society. But just uh, there, there's racism in law enforcement. And when someone hears that in law enforcement, they become really crazy, like, how can you say that? But I will also say there's racism in the church. There's racism in pastors. There's racism in Bible-carrying Christians. Think about people that lived uh, during the civil uh, rights movement who were shouting out for black people to, you know, sit in the back of the bus and and they would get off the bus and go into their churches and open their Bibles. And there's something intrinsically wrong with opening my Bible and singing praises to a God who has set me free when I am keeping somebody in my mind or in even literal action, keeping them in bondage. Hmm. Even if there is no slavery there's still the slavery of, of, of the mental and emotional bondage that we put people in. And so honestly, it was, and I'm, again, I'm probably going far afield here, but colorblindness is, and I used to pride myself, I'm a pastor that's colorblind, and now I'm ashamed that I would make those kinds of statements and, and thank any of you that are listening that have been in the church when I was a senior pastor, and if you're a person of color or ethnicity uh, other than white and you heard me say something like that, thank you for your graciousness in knowing my heart and knowing the fact that I love people no matter what their color and I support and, and get behind people of any color um, or background, but I said some ignorant things. And there's a likelihood I'm going to say some ignorant things even <laughs> here today. But but this, this is what this group of pastors did for me. They gave me a safety net to say stupid things. Hmm. And then they would correct me and they would show me where my thinking was quite off. And, and so... So I'm still in this learning curve, and for the last three years, it's been. I, I still feel like I'm, I'm just kind of breaking in on it, but yeah. So you mentioned these terms, you know, critical race theory and things, and I don't know how far we're going to get into some of those things here today. But um, the most of these terms that we hear talked about and are in great debate today are, and we were saying this a little bit before we started the podcast. There's such uh, exploitation and hijacking of these terms from various groups. Of, that are opposing to each other, and they give their own definition to it. And by the time it gets to a, a common person sitting in the pew of a church, who knows what kind of perspective they've got on that? And so, honestly, like when I've said things like, well, I can understand the importance of being woke, you know, woke literally means like to be awakened, to be conscious of the fact there's a problem bigger than what there is. And this was slang that came out of the black community, mm -hmm. 2010, something like that. But now it's changed and been nuanced in so much. Most people that are really talking about these themes don't even want to use the word woke because right. nobody knows and uses it the same way. But okay, so <laughs> I'm going to stop right there and say, okay, what do we need to unpack? And and let's go from there. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a lot to talk about because I think it is so divisive. And it, I think putting that you know 99% stat that you said and then like that, 1.1% that's dividing us. I think there's so much to talk about here. And I think, uh, if you're listening, you're probably hearing the tension that we have to wrestle with. Like, Hey, um, on one side, it feels like we're not seeing it enough. And on the other side, it's like, we're seeing it too much. 
And so we're trying to figure out, like navigate the cultural waters, which brings me to my third posture that you sort of inferred. Um, people that might be out there saying like, I don't want to even take the risk. I don't want to even take the risk because it feels like a lose-lose situation. If I do see color, I might be accused as woke. You know, maybe some people are thinking out there like, oh, these two guys talking right now are really woke because they're seeing (laughs) race. Uh, But if I don't see enough or if I don't see color, I might get labeled as privileged. Yeah. And some people might out there might be saying that about us right now. I don't know. And it feels like, you know, once you bring up the topic, it feels like it's just a lose-lose situation. So a lot of people in this camp will be like, hey, just let's not talk about it. Mm. Just bring me the gospel, yeah. you know, just preach the gospel, preach yep. the word. Like, let me just, let me, let me back out of this conversation and you just go for the, the core tenets of the gospel. Yep. And, um, I think this is where one blood comes in here because it talks about, um, navigating these tensions really well. And it talks about a process where we should go through of lamenting the situation, um, confessing any sins that might be buried in us, forgiving and seeking forgiveness. It's a very active sort of promote promotional book, um, you know, getting into the game a little bit and not taking that sideline approach. And yet, I can still imagine that when you share, hey, there's a one blood fellowship out there, people still might be hesitant and say, oh, it's really not my problem. I'm going to leave this one out because I don't want to be labeled either way. Oh, my goodness. And so I essentially want to hand you the mic here and tell us about one blood. Why do you feel like getting into this conversation is worth somebody's while who may seem uh, afraid or may just want like, hey, just tell me what the gospel is. Yeah. And so wow. what would you say to that person? Oh my goodness. Thank you, Pastor AJ. You know, it's so amazing because when, when I start, started into this uh, experience with these other pastors, I would start leaking it out to some of my friends and even some people in, in our church. And I would say like, hey, I've been meeting with these pastors and oh, what's, a, what's the purpose? Or what do you think you guys are going to do with all that? And and what I found out, and, and this, is, this is probably a blanket statement, but I found it's kind of the group of people you're talking about there's there's a lot of people that think like uh, ethnicity, the topic of ethnicity, has nothing to do with the gospel, and I think that that could, there couldn't be anything further from the truth, because in the thing that we preached about on Sunday was this idea that the gospel is the one you know those two phrases in the Galatians three passage. One says that we are all sons of God through faith in Christ. We are all so that's that's the that's how we become followers through faith in Christ, great cry of the Reformation. And then we are all one, it says later in uh, the following verses, we are all one in Christ Jesus. And so this all, all, all through faith in Christ, we're all sons of God, sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ, and we are all one in Christ, and we are Abraham's seed. And the word seed, as you know, that's a powerful word because it's in the singular it's not plural so we are in Christ we can't even be separated from each other hmm. and so we are we are a part of this amazing oneness that's in the body of Christ AJ and um and so what i started learning was that the people that want to deflect and say well that's that's not the gospel first of all i had to like correct them and say no the gospel is our oneness together not disregarding our background but oneness in Christ Christ makes us one and I and and further the fact that um, uh, people don't see that there's still a a big problem in this oneness. You know, I think it was Billy Graham that said, you know, the most segregated hour uh, 
or Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock are the most segregated hour in the United States. You know, it's where all the people go to their own churches and you got black churches and white churches and Chinese churches and hmm. Hispanic churches and all this. Well, there's been a lot done in regard to that and praise God. I, and by the way, another little insert, I think, I think we've come a long way, obviously. I mean, and with all this uprising that happened in 2000, look at the, the, uh, the population has become very accustomed to seeing, you know, we're in this together. You know, it takes all of us, you know, the National Football League, the Basketball Association, like sports has just totally lumped onto this. All these movements that are underway um, have helped our society to see that there has been a problem and we need to work on this. Okay. Now, some people are going to go, there hasn't been a problem and that's wrong. And some people that say, well, there's no longer a problem because look at all the laws. The laws, I had someone tell me, to my face, they said, show me a law that is prejudicial prejudicial or biased, that is racist, um, if you can. And I said, well, yeah, I, I can't show you a law that's racist, but racism isn't erased from governance. Hmm. It's not erased by new legislature. And this is the thing that good, well-meaning Christians forget that racism is in the heart of a person. And the only way that that is eradicated is through the gospel. Mm. It's the gospel that liberates us from racism. And so when when Christians tell me like, well, there's no laws that are against racism and, and what what's all the big up? The up I, I just realize like me, they're not as informed or not as aware you know, of what the injustices have been. So what what has happened, Pastor AJ, is that this one blood experience for us, and this is just a very little microcosm. So here's 20 pastors or so that's meeting together weekly. We're, we're talking through these things. We're sharing stories, stories of our kids, stories of our own life. There's an Asian pastor on this call whose parents were uh, in the Japanese internment camps. You know, there's like, it's not, and, and you know, remember that it wasn't long after the whole, uh, when the black community was upset at the injustices were going on, then the Asian community was hit with lots of hate and terrible things going on. So we have lamented all of this, and we have taken the posture as the church, pastors in local churches, to say, this is on us. We're not waiting for education to change this. We're not waiting for the laws in our country to change this. This is incumbent upon the church. The church is the only entity that God has given to the people to bring fairness, equity, justice, equality to ethnicity and background that way. So so we take it very personal to say it has to start in the church. And so we formed um, a, a group that said, let's introduce our people to this. Let's So all these churches throughout the invitation for their people, like you want to sit with a group of five or six people, all of which are in different churches. Some are going to be uh, ethnically um, African American. Some some of these people are going to be Asian. Some of these people are going to be Hispanic, and you're going to be and you, some of them are going to be white. You're going to be in a group with these people, and you're going to talk about the themes of Perkins' book, One Blood, which you mentioned the theme of what the church should look like: uh, lament, confession, forgiveness, um, uh, the strength of courage that it takes to, to live and all these beautiful examples and history and amazing things going on. Here we are in Black History Month, right? And there's beautiful stories of pastors that were advocates for equality and all the heartache and loss and death that had to take place for those things to, to occur and for us to even come to the place where we are, which is a much better 
place in our community, but we contend as the One Blood Pastor Fellowship that there's still a ton of work to do. And so, okay, so we had from Three Crosses, we had, a, I think in our first round of this, we had, I think, 20 people that jumped in and all together, I think there were like 150 people from these different churches. And man, we started and it was all on Zoom, a pastor welcoming them, giving a little history about the One Blood Pastors Fellowship, a quick recap over the chapter that we're looking at. And then we sent into the, sent all these people into their groups. They didn't know anybody in these groups. And as you know, working with our, our life groups, that that can be a daunting experience, especially when there are people talking about race and ethnicity from a biblical-centered view. Um, and oh my goodness, the stories, there were some people that couldn't handle it, some people that dropped out, some people that said, uh, I disagree, you know, like they, they and, and that's because in some of those groups, there were people that were very outspoken on some of the themes that you and I have talked about here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they wanted to have their part heard. And this mm-hmm. was too challenging for some of the people that were in these groups. Mm-hmm. So it was a beautiful and enriching and, and sometimes difficult experience. But in the end, after nine weeks of working through this, everybody said, wow, wow, that was powerful. So we did a little season off and then we came back and did it again. And we've done it now four times. And each time, I'll have to be honest here, it's sad to me that each time the, the numbers get lower, and I think there's like a saturation point where people think, you know, like, there's just some people that just don't see the connection, don't feel it's important. But the purpose of the One Blood Fellowship is to create an environment where you can have honest and safe dialogue about these themes in order for us to become one, to actually have relationship with each other. You know, I'm friends with these pastors. We go to lunch, we hang out, we pray together. We go to peewee golf, we play basketball. We we have become like this fellowship of camaraderie that never would have existed before. And there's a ton more churches that need to be a part of this and a ton more people in our church, Pastor AJ, that would really benefit by this dialogue with just sitting in the room and learning and being a learner and being a contributor. Um, so it's it's been powerful and great. And we don't even have the next one scheduled, but when we do and you hear about it, I hope that if you're listening today and you're thinking, even if you're thinking, you know, like, oh, it's not for me or I don't really have a voice, you should do it for your own discipleship to learn more about what it means to be a follower of Christ in a multi-ethnic, which is the desire of our church to be multi-ethnic, multicultural. This is the way the church is in heaven. This is the way it is on. it should be on earth, and it's not usually. It is at three crosses. Is it to the fullest degree? No, but it's, it's getting there, and I praise God for that. You mentioned that one of the difficulties of navigating these types of conversations are uh, defining the terms. So I'm thinking of terms like white privilege, systemic racism, um, critical race theory, being woke, uh, all these different types of terms. Uh, Is there a way that pastorally you've navigated these or uh, seen these through the lens of a Christian worldview? And could you help us understand those terms a little bit better? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and in my limited experience and understanding knowledge, 
I would just say that most of those, all of those terms really have come out to try to express realities that people experience, okay? So when you talk about systemic racism, you're, you're basically saying that racism isn't the result of just some individual's bias toward another. And this is what many people do believe. They believe that, hey, the reason why racism is a problem is because individuals are racist. But systemic racism is the observation that it is not and cannot be explained. Racism cannot be explained only by individual racist thoughts. There has to be structures that enable those racist expressions. And so, if you look at it from the standpoint of housing or healthcare or jobs or um, education or I mean you could fill in the blank a lots of incarceration you know all of those things are seem to indicate that there's something bigger going on here and critical race theory is sort of like a broader spectrum of saying that basically and I read this definition that it helps me it says CRT is an approach to be uh, to the issue of racism that analyzes systems and biases embedded in social structures. Now, that can be taken way too far, and this is why many conservatives, and this gets very political, but the conservative side um, and even of conservative Protestant theology will say that, well, this is a this puts people in categories of the oppressed and the oppressor, and this is wrong because we're all created in the image of God and we can't put these labels on people. And so, yes, when we take these things too far, they become kind of like a um, an unfair crucible that everybody has to go through. But let's not forget that the reason why these things come to bear is because there's a, a reality that can't be explained in the common language that people have been used to. Um, you know, so people in during the 60s would say there's really no racism. You know, this, they have, you know, black people have jobs. They have access to these things. But come on, you know, like, really? You're saying that these are not, you know, racist thoughts? Incarceration, how things happen with law enforcement, how things happen in the church. People sit on one side if you're black, on the other side if you're white. I mean, all these crazy divisions that show that we people are sinners and left to themselves left to ourselves we we just get into a lot of trouble so all these these terms what i try to as a pastor is realize well why do these terms come to bear sure critical race theory if you track it down to the ultimate end you find that it has the antecedents of marxism and you know there's an ideology there that is that is not compatible with a biblical worldview. I get that, absolutely. But let's not throw everything out. Even the whole, and I'm gonna say something really kind of, even the whole Black Lives Matter movement, which if I'm talking to a, a person uh, that is black, uh, some of them are simply identifying with the fact that enough is enough and something had to be done. And that movement kind of spurred on um, a sense of liberty or why finally people are listening to us and need to listen to us and things have to change. Um, so from that standpoint, I can agree with the sentiment of Black Lives Matter. However, the ideology of Black Lives Movement um, and uh, Black Lives Matter movement the ideology, the worldview, even the biblicity of it all doesn't fit. It's not Christian. And that probably would offend somebody that doesn't understand the manifesto and all that. But this is a pastor. I try to listen for what people are actually experiencing, what they've gone through. And so, you know, these terms that some of our ethnic communities have come out with to help us help 
and I say us, me as a white person, understand the plight and the dilemma has been helpful. And again, I've probably stepped on some toes right now and maybe not filtered in enough uh, of a wide range, but we're on a podcast here and it's short. Let's do a 10-part podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I tell like you we what, need it though. <laughs> I know. And I wish I would bring all my brothers in from my One Blood Fellowship of pastors right. because they would be much more adept in helping me. They've helped me enormously with these terms, with understanding where people are coming from. Mm. And they've also given a ton of grace. And this is one thing pastorally I would say, give people grace when you're in these conversations. Don't jump on, oh, you're a, you're CRT? Oh, you're like, you're one of the, you know, like you woke, you know, it's like all these terribly divisive ways that we treat people. We should listen to them and then find the thread of the gospel and bring the gospel into the forefront. So I hope that helps a little bit. Um, yeah. If you want more clarity and send, send, send me an email to AJ Venegas at three crosses. <laughs> Luckily that's not my email. A Venegas at three crosses. Oh, that's right. But I'd be happy to answer them too. Okay. <laughs> well, on behalf of everyone listening, I just want to thank you for taking up the sniper rifle to this uh, specific topic. And we've navigated the waters of topics like white, privilege, systemic racism, critical race theory, wokeism, all this different uh, buzzword, hot topic things. And hopefully it's been beneficial for you listening. I want to leave us with one last question. We've talked about so much here. Um, you've been through it, as you said, the One Blood Fellowship four times now. Uh, what would you say to people listening is the biggest takeaway um, that you've experienced from that? Just getting to know people that have different backgrounds ethnically and their story and their hardships and the beauty of how the body of Christ makes the difference in all that. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest takeaway. Awesome. Well, if you're interested in one blood, I'd encourage you to reach out either to pastor Larry, myself, pastor Danny, whatever it is. Um, go talk to somebody and, uh, pastor Larry, thank you for uh, navigating the waters of race and ethnicity with us. Thank you so much, man. Love it. <laughs>